What a beautiful, beautiful day. This Thursday, February 29th, has turned out to be Happy Leap Day in this leap year. It's uh, It gets confusing, I know, but here you have the story on the front page of USA Today. When Mary Lee Forsyth turned 16, she'd had only four birthdays. So now she is turning 100 today, so this will be her 25th birthday celebration because she is a leapling, a term for people born on leap day, February 29th, which appears on the calendar only, well, just about every four years. Do you have any idea? We've got the team together. Dave Rieger, Danielle Mason, Rich Luzinski, WJR Traffic and Weather First. We're all on our way to making each and every day count. Each day as a gift. Any idea why there is a leap day, leap year? I'll ask no, you, Rieger, no, it's first. Good, it's a good question. I don't know why exactly. Well, it's astonishing because uh, I, I thought it was something relatively new to balance out the calendar. But uh, my uh, my associate uh, producer, Kim, came up with some information about uh, leap years that I was stunned with. For example, Julius Caesar introduced the first calendar leap year in 46 B.C. Does that surprise anyone else? Surprises me, but what was the reason that he introduced it? Like, what gave him the idea? What I have here is the Earth takes exactly 365 days, 5 hours, 48 minutes, and 45 seconds to circle the sun. The occasional February 29th ensures we don't lose 6 hours every year. That would catch up, you know. 6 hours every year, it would change everything. But how in the world did Julius Caesar know that? And I just said in that story about the woman who turned 100 only had 25 birthdays. I never heard the expression leaplings, but that's what leap year babies are called, either leapers or leaplings. So did she so did she celebrate her birthday on February 28th or did she celebrate her birthday on March 1st? She celebrates it once every 4 years on this day, Correct. February 29th. But on, but on the days when it's not a leap year. She doesn't celebrate a birthday. It's not her birthday. Wow. A tough one. That's a tough one. Either it's a very tough one or you get extra special presents because people saved up for four years before they got your birthday present. I don't know. I mean, if it was you, if you were born on February 29th, would you celebrate on the 28th or would you celebrate on the 1st? I don't. I, you know what? I hardly remember when my birthday. I remember when my birthday is because I know Sophie was born the day after my 50th birthday. Okay. Well, so go. I always know when her birthday is, April 19th, and she turned 20. This last birthday, and and I'm still fifty. I guess anyway, you have so, to celebrate on the twenty eighth, since it'd be still the same month of February. So that make would make sense, I guess. Right, right. I got that by him. Did you notice I slipped that? I don't know if Danielle, you were listening, but I slipped that right by him. That <laughs> I was fifty when Sophie was born, and so she turned twenty this year, and I'm still fifty. Yeah, I heard it. Yeah, but I I caught it yesterday when you told that to. Um, uh, you know um, what? I used a line right, more than once. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. This is also, and you should know this, uh, Danielle, especially, uh, uh, February 29th has traditionally been a day on which women were allowed to propose to men. Ooh. 
So don't get any ideas there with Mr. Rieger in that close little studio booth you guys share. I've already asked him. He said no. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I Rieger. mean, I'm not kidding, but... Rieger, Rieger, come on, man. Not that many opportunities are going to come along in life. Okay, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. Some cultures consider February 29th an unlucky day, probably Dave Rieger, who's got his own culture. In some countries like Greece, people warn against planning weddings during leap years. How about that? Uh, February 29th is not really a legal day. What does that mean? Why would they do that? I don't understand. Uh, let's just see. Lots of people work for free. <laughs> what? Lots of people work for free on February 29th. Oh, yeah, I heard this one. Most employees who are paid fixed monthly incomes will work for free on February 29th because their wages are likely not calculated to include an extra day. Yeah. I don't have to look. I can guarantee you that's true. Okay. And then uh, there are two leap year capitals of the world. If you want to celebrate this special day in a big way, head to Texas or New Mexico. Anthony, Texas, and Anthony, New Mexico. What names? Both claim the title of leap year capital while holding lavish multi-day celebrations each leap year. All right, I'm throwing this one away because I won't need it again for four years. And I, I hope I'm still here. Uh, and uh, I hope we're all together. You know, this, uh, this, uh, this, I mentioned the place in Texas. Have you, you heard because of the storms that were happening? A place that I'd never heard of. And I thought, what a weird name for some town in the state of texas and do you know what the name was it came up during all these storms there is a town called canadian texas did any of you hear that before during all the stormage and stuff in texas the fires no canadian texas canadian texas and i thought what how could they get a name like that and so i had to look it up they were incorporated in 1887 and now it makes sense. Canadian Texas is named for the Canadian River, which flows just north of town. Interesting. I never heard of it. The, the, the weirdest town that I ever heard of in Texas was Corsicana, Texas. And what made that very weird for because, you? Because uh, there used to be a uh, there's a bakery there, the Collins Street Bakery, and uh, we used to get um, fruit cake or fruit uh, during Christmas time from they they're really they're known. For their um, the fruit cake for the fruit cakes. You yeah. said Corsicana. Corsicana, Texas. Corsicana yeah. is also known for uh, the championship cheerleaders, the college championship cheerleaders. Oh, okay. The Bulldogs. And Danielle, as you know, is an award-winning cheerleader. Yep, I sure am. I the cheer everyone on. Yes, you do. So You're cheerleaders and fruit cakes. There you go. So there the there you are. Now this Canadian Texas was largely built by entrepreneurs and dreamers. Let me tell you how many people. Let's see. 96% of the people there are working age citizens that are employed. The average household income is approximately $81,488. Individual income, 31000 There was a thing here that said how many people live there, and I can't find it now. But it's like 3,000 people, maybe. Maybe it was 5,000. Anyway. So now we know everything we need to know about all of these different parts of uh, Texas. And uh, 76% of residents in Canadian Texas own their own home. Their property values, homes are between 100000 and 300000 The average commute to work is 15 minutes or less. 
The high school has 280 students. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. I know it's a very small town. Uh, it's been around longer than I would have expected, being this small town with all of this wealth. But they, uh, the, if the median age is 35, by the way. And uh, they were incorporated in 1887. Like I said, it's a lot longer ago than I would have uh, expected. I'm a little nervous. I'm, we got some great interviews, of course. We have uh, uh, Pete Hoekstra, who now officially... Uh, if everything goes the way it should, uh, is uh, the head of the Republican Party. That, I'm not nervous about, about Pete Hoekstra. We've talked to him for years. I'm nervous about Priscilla Presley. Anybody feel my nervousness or you don't care? Why would you be nervous? Well, because I I never saw the film. I've never seen, you know, there was a film out uh, not too long ago. November, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sophia Coppola. Yep. directed it, which which Priscilla has said in many of the things I've read leading up to this, that she was happy that Priscilla Presley uh, uh, was the, I mean, that uh, Sofia Coppola was the uh, the director. I just, I don't know, I just, I, I didn't see the film. Kim saw the film, her mother saw the film. They said they weren't that happy with the ending of the film. And I'm, I'm going to have to bring that up because I don't know how it ended and I want to hear about it. Uh, Krispy Kreme giving out a dozen glazed donuts for $2.29 on the occasion of today, Leap Day. So who doesn't like Krispy Kreme donuts? $2.29 for a dozen glazed donuts, pretty good. And then my uh, my nephew-in-law, you have, I've talked about Dr. Jessica Burns, renowned surgeon in Toledo, Ohio. Her husband, Scott Burns, is quite a guy in financial services and a variety of other businesses tonight Five o'clock, I think it is. He is opening a new business in Monroe, a new entertainment destination called Pin Seekers, Monroe's premier entertainment destination. It opens at five o'clock tonight at 15,261 South Dixie Highway in Monroe. First business of its kind in Monroe, offering five state-of-the-art indoor golf simulators, six axe-throwing lanes, and two fouling alleys along with arcade games and a full bar. Now, I, somehow I'm thinking, oh, well, I got a good uh, reaction from Danielle. Yeah. But I'm thinking that, uh, you know, you like golf, you like all that stuff, Dave Rieger. I think you would like it, probably. Yeah. Uh, Falling's fun, X-throwing's fun. Well, that's what awesome. I was going to yes. ask you. I don't. I'm sure I've heard of it, but I don't remember what foaling is. Foaling is throwing a football at bowling pins. It's so fun. Paul. It is. It is. It's a lot of fun. It's a blast. <laughs> throwing football at bowling pins. Yes. Mm-hmm. How did mm-hmm. they come up with the name foaling? Bowling and football foaling. Oh, I, see. I guess that was pretty. That was pretty easy. <laughs> I just missed. I missed it all together. Uh, so they've got foaling lanes. They've got axe throwing lanes. They've got these indoor. Uh, state-of-the-art uh, golf simulators and such, so I wish them good luck. Again, they open uh, at 5 o'clock tonight for their first uh, grand opening. Scott Burns, God bless you, Scott, and his business partner, Michael Van Washinova. And uh, it's supposed to be quite a space. I'm going to try to go Saturday. They're having a a champagne toast, like at 7 o'clock Saturday. So you can go online and find them at uh, Pinseekers Monroe. Dot com, pinseekersmonroe.com, or on Facebook, uh, pinseekersmonroe, whatever. Anyway, wish them good luck. Good stuff. Today is also National Toast Day. It was a way they would uh, 
keep bread around longer. If you toasted it, it lasted longer. It would, if you had stale bread, you didn't throw it away in those days because it was bread. But they would toast it, and it was better. So uh, I've already had some toast. So there you are. A beautiful, beautiful day. Enjoy it with us for the next two hours here. Focus with Paul W. Smith, WJR. That's a very uh, Elvis Presley uh, little uh, sounder there that we've got. Rejoiner, as they they call it. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Rare birthdays, February 29th, uh, Leap Day. The rarest birthday with only one in roughly 1,460 chance of being born on this date. February is one of the least popular months for new births. The second rarest birthday is Christmas Eve, December 24th. My late uh, cousin, Michael Vanderpool, had a birthday on December 25th. I always felt that people who had birthdays on Christmas Day were getting robbed. You know, they got a present and you said, oh, happy birthday and Merry Christmas. You know what I mean? Other uncommon birthdays include January 1st, December 25th, as I mentioned, and January uh, 2nd. So uh, that's that. A couple of uh, quick notes here because we're waiting for our guest, Pete Hoekstra. If you're with Pete, tell him he's uh, going past our interview time. Uh, More about pin seekers uh, in Monroe. They are open as of 5 o'clock tonight, 5 till 10. You can book a spot online or walk in and play on the first official day of business today. Uh, Friday, 10 a.m. to 12 midnight, celebrate the end of the week at your new favorite hangout spot, Pin Seekers. Saturday, grand opening celebration, celebrating all day long. You can throw some axes, do some fouling, have a drink, and help us uh, celebrate, them celebrate. Uh, That's my nephew-in-law, Scott Burns. Uh, and you can find them uh, online at uh, Pinseekers Monroe, uh, Pinseekers.com, all of that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think I'm going to try to be there uh, Saturday for their champagne toast. I am told we were able to scare up Pete Hoekstra, and he doesn't scare easily. Uh, he is the new official, and as far as I know, legally binding Michigan Republican Party chair, according to a judge's ruling, uh, that makes it very clear that that. Only the Grand Rapids convention coming up is going to count, not the one in Detroit. Pete, it's been a wild ride. <laughs> it has been a while. Yeah, this is way too hard, okay? It shouldn't be this hard to become chairman of, of, of the Michigan Republican Party, uh, a job that most people don't even want. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we're there, and hopefully it's all over. Well, I wish you good luck because this has been a mess. It's not supposed to be this way. These are people who are supposedly all on the same side trying to accomplish the same thing, getting their candidate elected, in this case, president. Yeah, that's exactly right. I tell people, you know, the, uh, you know I'm not looking for any votes here other than for Republican candidates. And so it's not about me and the job of the state party and a state party chairman is to get their candidates elected to office. That's all it is about. Nothing more, nothing less. I don't set the philosophical direction for the party. You know, that's done by candidates. And so, yeah, it. Uh, hopefully we can now be on <laughs> the mission of focus on November 5. Well, in, in part of your job, besides uh, unifying the party, which is a whole different thing now, um, for... Christina Karama, who you are replacing, 
One of the things she apparently was not successful at is something that you need to be successful at, and certainly former Chairman Ron Weiser was successful at, even if it meant dipping into his own wallet, his own pocket, and putting money up. You've got to raise money. Yeah, campaigns are hard to win if you don't have any money. And, uh, you know, the good thing, Paul W., is I've had calls from all over the state, people saying, saying, Pete, you know, we trust you, we know that, if we send you money, we know you're Dutch. You know, Newt Gingrich, <laughs> this, Newt Gingrich described me as the guy that could make a penny squeal. And, uh, so, you know, we send you the money, it'll be spent wisely, and it, you'll be frugal. So, you know, uh, we're, we're going to do it. We're going to be well, able to raise the money. Yeah. Yeah. Michigan Republican Party Chair Pete Hoekstra, it's official, it's legal, has been around a long time, and you are trusted uh, by all including me. We've interviewed you a billion times and have always appreciated your candor and talking with you about any number of issues as ambassador, whatever you might have been doing at the time, serving the people. And we appreciate that. Now, uh, have you heard, is the Detroit uh, convention or meeting officially canceled yet? Or are they still going to try to have a meeting while you're having yours in Grand Rapids? Uh, like you said, they, uh, they I don't know. They may or may not have a meeting. Um, you know, meeting in Detroit is not a bad thing. They won't. It won't have any impact on what's happening at the Republican National Committee in this summer. But you know, if they decide to go to Grand Rap or excuse me, to go to Detroit, I hope they have a great meeting. Detroit's a great city. You know, enjoy some of the sights and sounds. Enjoy Auto Ramas on Saturday. You know, go out <laughs> and get a nice meal and uh, have a good time in Detroit. But you know, the convention is happening in Grand Rapids. All right, one thing I have to ask you about, because I said this at the beginning, part of your job is to unify the party, which has been fractured. But but I have to ask you about this. Um, this quote, you were asked in this, I don't know which newspaper, I can't tell from where I got this yeah. printed, the Grand Rapids paper, I think, but you were asked what you plan to do to bring the fractured elements of the state party together. They quote you, Pete Hoekstra, saying, I don't worship at the idol of unity. What does that mean? What it means is a state party chair, I, I'm going to do everything to win elections. I mean, you know, the whole Karamo faction, they are welcome into the party, okay? They are welcome to join us in all of our activities and help us, you know, cross the finish line in November. But, you know, um, you know people say, well, you got to do this, Pete, you got to do that for unity. No, I'm, I'm going to take the steps that are, not, you know, the requirements for some of these folks to unify may require me selling my my soul okay appointing people to certain positions or all of this is not about this is not about unity is great and it helps us achieve our objective i'm going to do everything i can to bring the party together to be successful in november i'm not going to do things that might help unify us but hurt our chances in november this is all about winning Okay, I, I you know on November sixth, people are going to won't come to me and say, "Oh, Pete, everybody was united. Oh, wasn't that nice? We could all, you know, make s'mores that night." And you know, but but it's too bad. It's it, it's too bad we lost the election. But man, you did an awesome job in terms of uniting us. Okay. Now the measurement on November sixth is, Pete, did you help? Did we all work together to cross the finish line and win? That's what that's my, that's my job and that's my focus. And that's what he's always done. He is a straight talker, 
There's no sitting here wondering what he means. <laughs> he says it like he sees it, and that's why we like Pete Hoekstra, the absolute official, according to the judge, Michigan Republican Party chairman. Now this party can get on track and do what it needs to do. Pete, always a pleasure. Hope to talk to you soon. Have a good convention. I'm sure we will. Thanks, Paul W. We continue on WJR. Alexa's never talked to me like that. I would, she knows I'd unplug her if she did that. A little smart mouth there. Anyway, um, next hour we'll have a couple of tickets to the Detroit Symphony Orchestra performance of Red Carpet Film Scores. It's playing March 8th through the 10th at Orchestra Hall. This is going to be a great thing. You know, the Godfather theme, Superman, Casablanca, James Bond, Mission Impossible. That's going to be a great concert. We'll have two tickets with your name on them coming up in this next hour. I always, uh, as you know, enjoy speaking with friend Nolan Findlay. He's the editorial page editor of the Detroit News. And, and Nolan, one of the reasons is you have a, a longer memory than most of us. Have I stunned you? Have I stunned you with that statement? You seem speechless. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> most days I can't remember where I'm at. All right. Well, here's the thing: in the, in your column today on the Think section of the Detroit News, the headline: hmm. "Double haters will be key to the election." And basically, you're saying that there is a tremendous number of people who don't want to vote for former President Trump and don't want to vote for current President Biden. And I go, wow, that that must be like the first time that's ever happened. And then one paragraph later, you say that's exactly what happened when it was Hillary Rodham Clinton and Donald Trump in 2016. Yeah, the numbers are about the same, about 20, 21 percent of the electorate, uh, not just don't like either candidate, but really flat out despise the two candidates and are not eager at all to go into the uh, election booth and have to pick between them. Uh, and so uh, it makes for an interesting election when you have uh, people trying to convince the electric that they hate the other guy more than they hate them. So, you know, it's not about voting for someone. Again, we're in a position of voting against someone. Yeah, that's just a shame. In this great country of ours where we meet people every day or at least every week or month who we say, man, they'd be a good president, uh, they're not running for a variety of reasons, and I, at this point, can't blame them. And so the, it's yeah. slim pickings. But it is what you say that it, if it's not voting for them, it's at least voting for what they stand for or say they're going to do which is why both presidents are at the border today in completely different areas for different reasons. As Biden, I just can't believe he gets away with this, that all of a sudden he's acting like he's been fighting to protect the border all along, when we know that's just not a fact. So absurd. I mean, this is, what, four years in, uh, almost four years in, the first time he's actually been down there uh, in any substantive way, uh, denied that it was a crisis. How many times have you heard his various press um, spokespeople say, "Well, the border is secure." Crisis, yeah. And the, our border is secure, and America's no better. Americans know better than that. And, and now he's trying to blame, blame Republicans because they didn't pass this very flawed bill that Democrats cobbled together to try to convince 
voters that, you know, they were doing something. Uh, you know, the only acceptable response here, Paul, is for the border, the border to be secure. That means nobody who's not supposed to come across gets to come across. This idea that you could wait across and, you know, go up to a card table and say, I'm claiming asylum, uh, that's what's led to this crisis and to thousands and thousands of people coming over every single day who we don't know who they are, what they're bringing with them, why they're coming. Nobody can, no country can claim sovereignty uh, when they allow their border to be so porous. Well, and, and by the way, we're giving them treasure, gifts, money, uh, protection that we aren't always giving full-blown Americans. I mean, it's, it's, it's unacceptable. It's an open invitation, and that was put in place by the Biden administration, who really uh, weren't bothered by all of this illegal immigration for whatever reason. Um, they weren't bothered by it until it became clear that it, that it was rising to the top of the list of concerns of voter, that voters have. Um, he was content to ignore this crisis, just like he ignored inflation and just like he ignored uh, the disaster in Afghanistan. He is not a president who has addressed any of the major issues facing this country head on. He's tried to avoid them. He's tried to, you know, shove responsibility off to someone else. He gave Kamala Harris the responsibility for the border uh, right off the bat, and then she disappeared. She didn't want anything to do with it. She recognized uh, uh, the danger of tying herself to this this disaster. I mean, it's gone past being a crisis. It's a as a, uh, Representative Bergman wrote in a op-ed for us a week or so ago. It's become a catastrophe. Mm-hmm. And by the way, um, at a time when it appears President Trump's approval ratings are actually rising from what they were. President Biden's going in the other direction. So they're they're scampering about. Uh, and uh, how we accepted in the past, the Democrats would say, well, this country was built on immigrants. Yeah, my, my grandparents came from another country, came oh. from Lebanon, but they came legally. And they legally. got away with saying this over and over again as if Republicans were against legal immigration. That's never been the question. All right, I got to run. I got a quick question. Did you like Elvis Presley? Well, you were a little kid. Oh, but- come on. You loved Elvis Presley. Growing up where you grew up in the the foothills of the mountains there? Are you kidding me? Elvis was king. Still is. All right. So help me, because I don't know why. I've interviewed every president since Gerald Ford. I've interviewed kings, queens, celebrities. I have Priscilla Presley coming up next, and I'm I'm a little nervous. What would you ask Priscilla Presley? Oh, my goodness. That's a a great question. Uh, You know, I would ask her about the relationship between... Elvis and Colonel Parker and what role she thinks that played in uh, the many troubles in his life. That's an excellent question. I will ask that because she's coming to town an evening with Priscilla Presley, March 10th at the music hall. That's my birthday, Paul. I know what you can get me. March 10th. (laughs) Consider it done. (laughs) Consider it done. All right. Good. March 10th, Nolan Finley's birthday. Maybe we can set up a meet and greet. I don't know. I'm going to have to talk to Ron Smerrigan, our promotions guy. He's got all the contacts. (laughs) I'll see what I can do. Thanks, Nolan. Good interview. I'll be listening.
Priscilla Presley up next with Paul W. Smith in focus. Paul W. Smith in focus with a very special guest standing by. Coming to town March 10th at the Music Hall. You can get tickets at musichall.org, musichall.org. Live tour in support of the national release of the motion picture Priscilla, the one and only Priscilla Presley. Miss Presley, God bless you. Thank you for coming on the show. We're looking forward to this conversation. Well, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation, too. Just don't ask me anything serious. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, well, that'll be easy. Uh, I, I, I won't ask a, a one serious thing. Well, there might be one or two serious things. But here's what I want to say quickly. Uh, having, been married, having been married to an icon, a legend, etc., people tend to forget the spouse, and you, as the spouse, have done very well in your own right. Wait, well, let's not forget Dallas. Let's not forget uh, the Naked Gun. Three of them, I think, from uh, Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad, then the Naked Gun Two and a Half, and the Naked Gun Thirty Three and a Third. The final insult. I mean, you've done a lot of good work, serious and funny. Thank you, thank you. That was that wasn't even work. That was so much fun working with Leslie Nielsen. I don't think it would it would take forever for us to get a scene to, uh, film because we'd be laughing all the time. And when we and and the stagehands would start laughing, and it was uh, it wasn't work. It was just fun. <laughs> that sounds great. That that does sound great. Now the film, I know you were pleased with the fact that Sofia Coppola was going to direct the movie. Priscilla, it's out. Uh, is there anything that was in the movie that you wish was changed, or something that you wish yeah. was there? And I'm going to say this, and I don't. My wife Kim might kill me for this. But she, I did not see the movie. I'm not going to lie and say I saw the movie. I didn't see the movie. But my my mother-in-law, Erlene, my wife, Kim, saw the movie, loved the movie. However, and this is a part she may not want me to tell you, but I have to tell you to ask the question. They weren't that thrilled with the ending. And, and I don't know what happened in the end. But what did you feel about that? <laughs> oh, gosh, it kind of left you dangling. Uh, um, well, the, the movie, there's one thing I... I wanted to clear up in the movie is that when in the movie it has Elvis on the phone talking to Colonel Parker that's the scene he's on the phone in Elvis's office at Graceland and he's talking to Colonel and they get into an argument and I happen to walk in while he's upset with Colonel Parker at a rage uh, and he gets the chair and I am just stepping in uh, from the door and he takes he's looking down and he just picks Still looking down, he throws the chair at the wall, not knowing that I was there. So in the film, it looks like he's upset with me, and he and he throws it at me, and that's the one thing I I didn't like about the film. Oh they my goodness, that's wall. a that's a big difference. He wasn't <laughs> yeah, throwing the yeah. chair at you; he was throwing the chair because of his anger with Colonel that's Parker. Right. Which leads me that's to the right. question: We had the editor, uh, editorial page editor, our good friend Nolan Finley, on just a moment ago, and I said, if you could ask Priscilla Presley, because he's a big Elvis fan, if you could ask uh -huh. Priscilla Presley one question, his question, and I'm going to turn it around a little bit, and the way I'm going to ask it is: Was Colonel Parker a bigger blessing than curse, or equal, or one more than the other? 
Well, it was definitely a love-hate relationship between Elvis and the Colonel, more so on Elvis's side, because uh, I don't, you know, he felt that Elvis, I mean, that Colonel never really got him and what he wanted to do. You know, he booked him in places. The Colonel, I mean, Elvis wanted movies. He wanted to be, he wanted serious movies that, that like James Dean or Humphrey Bogart, you know, movies that was, meant something that was serious and. You know, the movies he got was basically the same thing, girls on the beaches and bikinis and and songs that he couldn't stand. And, um, he wait had, a minute, uh, wait a minute. Did know. you say songs or thongs? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> maybe both. <laughs> okay, all right. So so it was songs that he couldn't stand. Songs. Okay. Yeah, I didn't yes, know. What, yes, yes. Priscilla, I honestly couldn't tell. I wasn't trying to make a joke there. Well, uh, I, I'm here to tell you that uh, you're being interviewed by one of the, maybe the few guys on a tour like this, old enough to say proudly, I saw Elvis in concert. And oh, wow. uh, it was an honor. It was a pleasure. I am going to say it's in the latter part of his career. He was a little confused on stage because he said, I hope you all come back again tomorrow. But he wasn't in Vegas, and he was, I think he was in Toledo, Ohio, and he was moving on to Cleveland or somewhere the next day, and and I felt he was surrounded by people who were happy to be associated with him to make a living, but not associated with him to pull him aside and say, Elvis, you got to stop doing this, or you got to stop doing that, or you're going to hurt yourself. Oh. Yeah, I don't think, uh, no, I don't think he would go for that. Um, I think that was just a mistake. You know, traveling, when you're traveling on your, and you're doing tours, you do forget where you are. Right. You do forget, now where am I going now? Um, what, 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 what state are we in? Or whatever, because it's, 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 listen, it's hard work. I mean, you, you don't get the sleep that you usually get. But um, that, I, you know, that happens. Um, you, you just forget where you are. You're that just, just happens. That can happen to any performer. You know, oh, I think, it has. It has, yes. I think people would be surprised to know that when they go see a, a singer, for example, these days, I don't think they did it when Elvis was doing this, but these days they actually have a teleprompter where yeah. the singer can see the words to a song they've sung 10,000 times, but they still put <laughs> the words true. up because... Yeah. Because you're you're yeah. worn out, you're wasted, you're on the road, and all of that. What are you going to do oh. when you come March 10th? And you're going to be uh, Jay Tower, very good guy, is going to be uh, moderating. And I, I think you're you're going to tell some stories people have never heard, but you're also mm-hmm. going to take uh, questions from the audience. It sounds to me. Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. I get questions all the time, and so you know I'm willing to answer the questions and that they want to know about my life, Elvis's life, our life together. And um, that's just after um, after I this is a little bit after before I end the show that they can ask questions, um, and, um, and and it's worked out well. I mean, people tend to they love it. They're hearing stories they've never heard before about our life, about the whys, the ifs, the others. Um, so I'm you know I'm very willing at this time in my life to share a great story you, and you a had wonderful been, man. You had been quiet for a while, but you've never been quiet about your. <laughs> undying love for Elvis Presley, well beyond the divorce when you said, I I just couldn't keep up with the lifestyle I had to get out to save yourself. And you have. You've gone through the sad death of a daughter. You've gone through fights over estates. And I'll remind people that when Elvis died, Colonel Parker took half of everything that Elvis ever made, at least half. And Elvis might have had like $7 million when he died. You built that estate up to a half 
billion dollars. Right. Well, I couldn't just, I mean, listen, I, um, Elvis loved Grayson, and uh, that was his home. And to open up Grayson to actually keep us, I mean, survive, to, to, be, able to, keep, to, to be able to keep Grayson, because we were in debt when he, when he passed. So I had to do something. And did I want to? No, because it was a home. It was where Elvis would always go to after a show, uh, from tours. He loved Graceland. But, I, you know, it was our savior in saving Elvis and saving Graceland and, you know, keeping it open for people to see, and which I think Elvis would have loved because it's the first thing he did when people would come is to show his home off. So, you know, it's still a, it's still a personal home. Um, and... Uh, Unfortunately, Grandma, who's lived there for years, you know, passed a few years ago, so no one lives there anymore, but it's still, you know, a home to all of us. It's a home to you, and it is yes. a place that uh, one of the top tourist destinations in the country it continues to be. Yes. And I think Elvis would be very pleased and maybe even surprised at how much his name still comes up and how much people still love Elvis Presley. Oh. He would be surprised because he, his big fear is that that people would forget him, and that was my my gift to him that that was never going to happen. Never going to happen, Priscilla. Priscilla Presley, what a pleasure, a privilege to finally catch up with you and get a chance to speak with you. Uh, Musichall.org. Uh, coming up March 10th on the main stage, uh, Hollywood Casino at Greektown presentation, but it's at the Music Hall. Again, have fun. I know you will. Priscilla Presley, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that went okay. I was, uh, I was uh, nervous. I don't know why, but I was nervous talking to Priscilla Presley. I, I guess I, I'm, I'm pretty certain I've never talked to her before. So we're glad she came on board and that she's going to be appearing March 10th at the Music Hall, and uh, finding out, too, that it is Nolan Finley's birthday, and he's done enough for this radio station. For goodness sakes, if we can get uh, a couple of tickets to that. Um, I, Dave, follow up on that. I did send a note to the one and only great one, Ron Smerrigan, who's up to his ears trying to get our St. Patrick's Day party broadcast ready, but I, I did ask him if he could get a couple of the tickets for that that we could present to Nolan would be a good thing. Would you follow up on that, Mr. Rieger? Yep. Thank you, sir. Uh, Dave Rieger is here. Danielle Mason pressing all the right buttons. Rich Luzinski, WJR Traffic and Weather First, as we're all on our way to making each and every day count. Each day is a gift, and uh, it is leap day of this leap year. And so I have a present for you on this leap year day. If you're caller 9 at 1-800-859-0WJR, that's 1-800-859-0957, we have a pair of tickets with your name on them, and I don't know how they do that so quickly, to experience the Detroit Symphony Orchestra perform Red Carpet Film Scores. That's coming up Saturday, March 8th at Orchestra Hall. Now, wait a minute. Now, March 8th. Let me just check something real quick, because I just saw March 10th for Priscilla Presley. March 8th. Okay, March 8th through the 10th, so that starts on Friday. And 9, 10, 10, yeah, 10 is Sunday, good, okay. Be caller 9 at 1-800-859-0957, 1-800-859-0957 or 0WJR. Lights, camera, action, music, films depend on lush sounds of an orchestra to turn 
images on a screen into moments that stay with us forever. You can experience Academy Award-winning music from Superman, Casablanca, The Godfather, James Bond, and Mission Impossible through the unforgettable sound of the DSO, one of the finest symphony orchestras in the world. And they're ours, the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. The Red Carpet Film Scores playing Orchestra Hall March 8th through the 10th. And if you don't win the two tickets now by being caller number 9 at 1-800-859-0WJR, you can buy your tickets. They're on sale now at DSO.org. DSO.org. I'm telling you, man, I wish I could go. Maybe I'll be able to go because it's that's just great, great music. All right, Ronald Smergan says uh, he doesn't have any access to those tickets. So we're going to have to figure something out. Don't let me forget Dave Rieger. We have a, we, we owe He's done so many good things for us all across the board, all on all the different shows. We should try to get him a couple of tickets. Uh, Nolan Finley to see Priscilla Presley. All right, Bob Riney is coming up. He's the uh, CEO of Henry Ford Health System. They got the green light from city council to do what we've been talking about them doing for a while. Marie Osborne will be here. She's got some interesting things to talk about. Chris Renwick getting ready for his show as well. Here's something I thought about. And uh, Dave probably can't weigh in. Danielle, maybe she can, but Dave is answering the phone for the contest. But what is it? The Alabama court, right? They've they've come up with this idea of in vitro fertilization and scaring everybody by ruling that those uh, those embryos are children. All right, I'm not going to argue that they are or are not children. I'm not going to do that. But I am going to say that based on what the Alabama court has found, shouldn't all parents or prospective parents that have embryos created be able to write those embryos off and get the children's tax credit on their tax forms? Why not? If the Alabama court says they are children then all of those parents should be able to claim those embryos on their taxes for the child credit benefit that you get with your children. So you're Some, saying in womb. Yeah. They should uh, be able to. Okay. Well, in womb, no. They, these guys are talking about in, in Petri dishes. Interesting. If you have... These embryos that the court has decided are considered children because they're fertilized eggs. Well, great. I don't know. Do, do people get lots of them? Can you get like 10 of them? Write them all off on your taxes. Take the child credit that you get for your children. When you do your taxes, you get to write off your children. So if these are children, they're their children, and they should write it off on taxes. That'll get the legislators involved quickly because they don't want to lose any money. In the end, it's all about money, sadly. We're on our way to making each and every day count because each day is a gift. And yes, it is leap day, something we only experience like every, every four years. And today is the day that uh, apparently President Joe Biden, who wants us to believe that he's thought this was a problem all along and he's been involved, is finally getting involved 
uh, with immigration because their research from the kids that they've hired in the White House to get him reelected so they all can keep their jobs and the family, too, uh, is now saying there's a migrant crisis. And so he's going to a part of the border where there might be seven people crossing so that it doesn't look like it's so bad. And former President Trump is going to Eagle Pass, uh, the scene of a real border showdown, where authorities have seen a higher number of migrant crossings, crossings like, like lots of them, to show there really is a problem. And there is. And for Biden to get away with pretending this is something he's been fighting ever since he was in office is such a lie that is supported by the mainstream media. It's hard to imagine, hard to believe. He, in fact, did away with many programs proudly his first day in office that undid many of the fixes that the president put in place. He, he undid them. You can't deny that. That's not making it up. That's that's what's really happened. And we are paying the price in incredible amounts of drugs coming into our country illegally, incredible amounts of people coming into our country illegally, and a number of people who've come into this country freely who get arrested for doing bad things and don't really get in trouble until they kill someone. And they are killing people. If not with the drugs they bring in, with their own hands. How long are we going to let that go? Don't know. I really don't know. I uh, mentioned early, because I'm proud of this, uh, my... my Nephew-in-law, is that a, I don't know, is, is that a proper, Danielle, is, is if, if his wife, Dr. Jessica Burns, renowned surgeon in Toledo, Ohio, mm-hmm. is my niece, my late brother Mark and Bernie's uh, daughter, if she's my niece, wouldn't her husband be my nephew-in-law? I think you can just say nephew. My nephew? Yeah, I would just say my nephew. All right, well, that's good. So my nephew, Scott Burns along with his business partner, Michael Van Washinova, are the founders, the investors, of something called Pin Seekers of Monroe. They have experience in financial services, retail, culinary arts, food and beverage distribution. Tonight, they're opening, after a lot of work, Pin Seekers in Monroe. Five o'clock tonight. Saturday, they have a, uh, a champagne toast. I'm going to do my best to be there. The PGA Tour will be playing the PGA National on Saturday, and folks will be playing the spring uh, scramble golfers at Pinseekers. This is a quite a place, nothing like it in Monroe, the first of its kind, where they'll have at Pinseekers in Monroe five state-of-the-art indoor golf simulators, six axe-throwing lanes, and two fouling alleys, which I have now learned with the help of Dave Rieger and Daniel Mason, that's throwing a football over bowling pins to to hit the bowling pins. Fouling, two fouling. I knew feather. It's bowling. actually fouling. Fouling. Okay, yes, that's foaling. better. Fouling sounds bad. Yeah, it's fouling. Because I I knew feather bowling. Yeah, this is different. But this is fouling alleys, mm-hmm. along with arcade games and a full bar, and the pin seekers' a grand opening celebration starts tonight, five o'clock. Lots of activities happening all weekend. Um. And then a little champagne toast, 7 o'clock on Saturday. I'm going to try to be there. 
You can find them in Monroe. And let's see, I, I had the address right in front of me a moment ago. It's it's probably better just to go online to find them. You go to pinseekersmonroe.com, pinseekersmonroe.com. They're at 50, it's a long address, 15,261 South Dixie Highway in Monroe, 15,261 South Dixie Highway in Monroe, or online at pinseekersmonroe.com. Should be a lot of fun. I'm wishing them good luck and uh, looking forward to being there and seeing all of this uh, great fun, new business, first of its kind, in my hometown. Make of sure you get Michigan. your arm warmed up before you throw an axe I, or a football. I, I can't. I, my arm is dead. I got like a torn rotator cuff or something, so I... I'd have to do it left-handed, and that would be really dangerous. Even though I write left-handed, I'm ambidextrous, kind of. You want to go with me? It's free. Might have to. Might have to make the trip down to Monroe for this. You might have to be my arm. And I bet you're probably pretty good at that stuff. I'm just guessing. I'm pretty good at foaling. You can ask Danielle. (laughs) Okay. You can't right. ask me. I've never seen him do it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, wait a second, something I should know? <laughs> all right, Bob Riney coming up. Big, big, big story. So important for all of us. Bob Riney, CEO, Henry Ford Health, coming up next on WJR. You know, I as I think of it, all my years here, 35, so, uh, 35 or so associated with WJR, uh, the last 27 and a half uh, doing the morning show, now here, Happily still a part of this great radio station. I, I think of all the things that have happened in Detroit uh, over the years uh, that have been very good for Detroit. I don't know of one that was bigger than the one we're about to talk about or one that we could all be more involved in and be doing some very good work by being involved. And that is with what the Detroit City Council has approved the $3 billion Henry Ford Health Hospital expansion in the new center area, along with a bunch of community benefits. The guy driving this bus, uh, the leader, the CEO of Henry Ford Health System, a man who spent his entire working life at Henry Ford, so it's just perfect that he has worked his way to the very top. Bob Riney is here. Robert, I hope you're well, and congratulations on this good news. Yet another, people don't understand how many hurdles there are to do even things that we know are going to be very good for us. Paul W., and thank you. And, you know, I've learned to look at hurdles as just stress tests for something really great. And Mm. if it's great enough, it manages to work its way through any hurdles thrown in its way, and I think that's where we're at. And and the hurdles are generally well-meaning people just wanting to be sure that everything... All the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed, et cetera, et cetera, and you can't blame them for that, especially when you're talking about one of the biggest projects I've ever known about and one that we all can be a part of. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, while it's um, cumbersome uh, to go through a lot of layers of process, um, we have learned a lot along the way that will make this transformational initiative even better. So I actually want to thank the neighborhood groups and I want to thank the city council and all of the steps that we went through because each and every one, while there's some requests that you know are something that just can't be done, the majority of the input that we got was coming from a great place of wanting this to do everything that we hope it will do for the city of Detroit and beyond. And 
some really good input. So I'm actually grateful. Well, you worked with the city council. You worked with Mayor Mike Duggan and his team, uh, uh, the Neighborhood Advisory Committee, uh, the Pistons, Arntellum, Michigan State University. I'm missing somebody, but I'm Tom Gores. Can't miss him. The certainly and the Gilbert the family. Gilbert family yep, Gilbert family foundation. I mean, there's so many people involved with bringing this goodness to Detroit. Let me simplify it because I've said this before to you, and in fact, I've said it uh, in in groups of people. Detroit is a city that deserves to have a world class hospital facility. Detroit is a city that is big enough that nobody should have to leave Detroit for the finest medical care in the world. And we know that people have gone to Cleveland. They've gone to Rochester, to the Mayo Clinic. These are all great places. But it's time for Detroit to stand alone and give all of us an equal opportunity. Not everybody can go to the Mayo Clinic. Not everybody can go to the Cleveland Clinic. But everybody can go to Henry Ford Health. And you will finally have the facility that matches up with the world-class doctors that you employ. You couldn't have said it better. And I've said our team members are just so exceptional that they deserve a contemporary facility in which to practice their trade. And, of course, our community deserves an emergency room that's actually sized for the number of people that we serve and private patient rooms. And the city deserves all the multiplier economic impact that the partnership of this with the Pistons and with Michigan State and with uh, the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab and the Gilbert Family Foundation, this is creating something that I hope will be an economic tsunami for the city and really spill over into hotels, additional housing beyond what we've gotten green space, connectivity, um, and most important, community health. I think, um, uh, well, I think uh, City Council President Mary Sheffield, uh, all the council members, uh, Fred Durall III, saying this is a beacon of hope for that neighborhood and something that shows our city is ready to move forward. And that's the truth. Um, We're talking about, you already mentioned it, but I want to underscore it, all of the rooms, 400 of them, will be private rooms in this patient tower, which is really what it should be today, and it will be. And you're working out of an emergency room and hospital that was built how long ago? 106 years ago. <laughs> oh, man. It's going to be such <laughs> 106 years ago. It is going to be such an improvement for us all. And we've mentioned all these important names, and trust me when I tell you, they're all important. But Bob Riney... CEO, Henry Ford Health System. I've talked to you. I've talked to Mary Jane Vogt. And you've talked about the importance of all of us, individuals getting involved to help. How can we do that? Yeah, it's a great question because if you look at other cities that have accomplished what we are now going to do for Detroit, it's been energized by the community support. And that community support comes in the form of just providing positiveness about it, but it also comes in the support of philanthropy. 
And if you look at University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, it transformed that city and created so much economic development. And it was made in part from generous supporters who have an ability to write very significant gifts like we've seen with the Gilbert Family Foundation, but also lots and lots of people that can write medium-sized gifts and small-sized gifts. And we'd welcome everyone to think of this as something that is a part of them and a part of the future of Detroit that they can look back and say, I was a contributor to that. You know, uh, that's because a, this is going to affect decades of people to come. This is an excellent, excellent point, Bob. And it leads me to my next question. Yes, uh, all of the significant gifts. But, but it leads me to say all gifts are significant. But you know what I'm talking about. We've got big ones, and that's great. But it is the little ones, too, that build the community spirit so that, as you just put it, you can look at this incredible world-class facility and say, I had a hand in that. With that thought in mind, and maybe it's too early to say this, but are you going to uh, sell uh, courtyards with bricks with people's names on it for making a $500 donation or a $100 donation? Or is there anything like that that's going to be coming our way in the future, or is it too early to talk about well, it's uh, too early to provide the details, but I can say affirmatively that, um, you know, we are going to have a plan that will allow any level of contribution to have a form of recognition. And we want a lot of healing environments. We want a lot of art. We want green space. We want public spaces that can be used in all four seasons, especially like this week when we're having all four seasons in one week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so we want, you know, but we really do. I, I told them as we're designing the park and the space, do not design it with just summer in mind. I want um, the ability to have fire pits and gatherings in the winter and something that is used 12 months a year. There'll be opportunities for naming rights and support of all of this, as well as our obviously our clinical programs and the research that goes to create innovation and breakthroughs. Well, listen, promise me this, Robert, and I know you will. Keep in touch. Let me know, and we can let our listeners know when these opportunities arise, because I know there are a lot of people that want to be involved. I will absolutely do that, Paul W., and I so appreciate your support. You've got it. Bob Riney, CEO, Henry Ford Health System. This is an incredible, world-class opportunity for Detroit. We deserve to be able to get whatever medical services we need in the newest and best facility in the world. And that's what we're going to have with Henry Ford Health and this $3 billion hospital expansion in the new center. No more leaving town to get the best medical services. We already have the doctors. We just need the facility, and we're on our way. As we continue in focus with Paul W. Smith at WJR. I, I can't be sure, but I think that is Danielle Mason shredding. Uh, that's what they call it on the guitar. I was a drummer, so I don't know much about the guitars, but that was shredding as far as I know. And it, was, was that, in fact, you, Danielle? On the guitar just then? Oh, yeah, definitely. I thought so, yeah. Okay, very good. Uh, most people think smoking pot has little to no effect on cardiovascular health. Well, that's because they're lying to themselves. Because I've said to you before, and I'll say it again, anything you bring into your lungs other than good, clean, fresh air is bad for you. 
anything you bring into your lungs that isn't good, clean, fresh air is going to have an effect on you. Now, I hear the in, the asthma inhaler say, what's he talking about? Anything you bring into your lungs is going to have an effect on you. That's just the way it is, even the air, because our air isn't that clean. And vaping, I was against it the first day I heard about it. Made in China with who knows what other chemicals like lead and everything else are in there. But here they have done a study to show the effect on cardiovascular health. And for those people who didn't think it was causing any trouble, there's uh, you got another thing coming here. And our WJR senior news analyst, Marie Osborne, takes a look at the newest research. You know, Marie, i got to tell you. I know. It's a hard habit to break, right? Well, I, I don't understand how this is like new news. I can't even believe they had to study it. Of course, bringing any kind of smoke into your lungs is not good for you. I don't care if it's cigarette, cigar, or, or marijuana. I mean, they really had to study this? Indeed, they did. And it's interesting what they discovered, Paul. The study was done at the Massachusetts General Hospital. They looked at 430,000 adults and they found that cannabis use could significantly increase the risk of heart attacks and strokes. And in addition, the risks rose the more frequently marijuana was used. So looking a little closer at the numbers, daily cannabis users had 25% higher likelihood of a heart attack and 42% higher risk of a stroke than people who never smoked pot. People who used marijuana just once a week had a 3% increased likelihood of a heart attack and a 5% higher risk of a stroke during the study frame. Now, data from the CDC indicates that just about 48 million Americans, that's about 15% of us, reported using cannabis at least once in 2019. We know the 24 states, including right here in Michigan, have legalized pot for recreational use. 75% of the people in this study reported uh, smoking as the most common way they got high. They also consumed edibles, though. They also vaped, although the study didn't specifically look at the risks of smoking marijuana compared to the edibles. But the researchers noted that smoking cannabis, cannabis, which is, again, how most people use it, may pose an additional risk because of the particulate matter that is inhaled. Now, it's unclear from this paper whether marijuana is directly causing these heart attacks and strokes or if the people who are already using it are at risk for that. So the researchers say overall they need more rigorous and targeted research before they draw a really straight line conclusion on this that pot causes strokes and heart attacks. But Paul, this was a large-scale study, and it found some important concerns. And one last thing that I know you'll find of interest is that one of the researchers said, this is like when we when we first studied cigarette smoke back in the 50s, and people said, well, I don't know, it might be kind of dangerous for you. Well, of course, subsequent research after the 50s and 60s concluded, indeed, it was dangerous for you. And they felt that this is like at the dawn of this type of research about cannabis okay look uh, might i suggest anything that you inhale in your lungs for the very first time and you cough out of control cough like anyone who's ever smoked a cigarette for the first time should have been an indication that it was an irritant that shouldn't be going into your lungs i it's astonishing to me the time and money wasted on studies like this of course smoke from marijuana 
from uh, oregano, uh, from tobacco, going into your lungs is going to have a higher risk of heart disease, stroke, or heart attack. Here's the study they have to do. What about the people? Because, by the way, people who smoke marijuana oftentimes are also smoking cigarettes. I'm sure they separated those two groups, or if they didn't, they weren't being serious, to separate the people who smoke cigarettes and smoke marijuana. But that we don't have time to go through that. But what does consuming marijuana edibles do to your body? That's the question. And they didn't even check that. They they did look at this was cannabis use altogether. So they looked at um, uh, smoking marijuana compared to edibles. They did not look at that, but they looked at use in general. So the use of cannabis in general here. But, but, but they say they claim most people are doing cannabis through smoking. smoking. Most of them. Right. Right. Exactly. But edibles and stuff were included in this study. They're, they're just saying overall there is something that happens uh, uh, in your physiology when you consume cannabis. Yes, there is something in your physiology that changes when you consume cannabis. No question about that. There's no question. I hope they will broaden their study and see if the edibles are causing uh, significant problems to your to your body. Uh, we already know any kind of smoke inhaled is not good for you. And I'm sure glad they did another study to, to show that and prove that. But it, it just isn't. Um, you never smoked cigarettes, did you? Marie? I, I did. You did? Mm-hmm. Do you, are you going to make me come like, like come out in public like this? No, no I'm not going to. No, I just, I, I guess I'm shocked. I just never pictured you as a cigarette smoker. I know. Stupid, 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 well, right? You didn't know. My dad didn't know. My brother, well, yeah. my brother probably knew. But my dad, back in his time, they were, this is very oh. helpful. They had doctors doing commercials for cigarettes, for God's sakes. Yep, yep. It was very cool back back in the day. But, yeah. Well, look, all of us know we should have known better. There's no question about that. Well, I'm glad you stopped. That's cool. Yep. Good for you. Many, many, many years ago. Many years ago. Good for you. All righty. Thank you, Marie Marie Osborne, WJR Senior News Analyst at 143. Ba-doop-boop. Stream us, stream us, stream us wherever you are. Home, car, wherever. Florida, Arizona, wherever. Keep in touch with home through WJR.com, the WJR app. Google wherever you listen. And uh, don't forget, too, thegreatvoice.com for the podcast. You can hear our great uh, conversation yesterday with the Red Wings, special Red Wings at the Detroit Economic Club. What a great job young Anthony Bellino did helping me out, co-hosting the show. He's, of course, with... The legend Lomas Brown, Monday through Friday from 6 to 7 on Sports Wrap. I got to listen to with them last night on my way home from uh, Ypsilanti. There's all this. You, you can tune in to the great Mickey Redman interview, too, if you go to the greatvoice.com podcast. Uh, you'd be, you, you'll enjoy it very much. Meanwhile, uh, we have the one and only Chris Renwick with JR Afternoon uh, coming up here next. He has his ankles taped. He's girded his loin, and I'm not exactly sure what that means, but he is ready to go. Am I right about that, Chris? You're ready to go. I'm ready to go. What up, Paulie? How we doing? 
I'm doing very well. I just tried to sign a note um, to Jay Towers because I mentioned him when I was talking to Priscilla Presley because he's going to be the moderator with Priscilla Presley. And I, because of you, I signed it Pauly. And I sent it. really? Yeah. And I sent it. And, and when I sent it, it corrected it to Pauline. Oh, my gosh. So I wrote Pauly again, P-A-U-L-I-E, and I sent it again, and it said Pauline again. I, I, this this automatic uh, spell yeah, check. That's or AI. That's a, that's AI hard at work for you. Well, it's I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm sure I'll learn to love it. Uh, well, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to learn to love it. What do you you, I, you see uh, Nolan Finley's column today? Pretty interesting. Um, I, I had to thank him because I read the start of his uh, under the headline "Double Haters Will Be Key to Election," and he's basically talking about. There's like an equal number of people who hate Joe Biden and hate Donald Trump. And so it's like a choice between the people people hate. And I thought, well, that's unusual. That's never happened before. And then I just read the next paragraph, and it's exactly what happened. <laughs> it happened when Donald Trump was going up against, uh, what's her name? You know, Hillary Rodham Hillary. Clinton. Yeah. Well, I forgot. How soon we forget. There yeah, were a lot of people know, saying funny. they didn't didn't want to vote for either one of them. Well, I, I I think that's why Nikki Haley is is trying to to hang on to 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 her campaign for as long as possible because she maintains that most of America doesn't want this rematch. They don't want Donald Trump or Joe Biden again, and so she she continues to linger. I, again, I think it's a tough position for her to be in. I, I, I think it's an unwinnable position for her to be in. But but I, I you know I think Nolan brings up a good point where it's just there's a lot of folks out there that that just that they want to move on from these two. But here's what I know: just as Joe Biden's uh, ratings, uh, they used to call them Q ratings in show business, but his likability or belief if he's doing a good job, those are going way down. And yeah. Donald Trump is now above where he was when he left office. So. It, it's a swing. I mean, we're far from the election, but it's an important, interesting swing. And I will believe uh, always that, yes, there are never Trumpers and Trump haters, but that the Trump lovers will always be for Donald Trump and mm -hmm. see everything that ever comes out about him, against him, court cases, charges, whatever, are all a part of a vast conspiracy to keep him from becoming president again. And you can't help but think the Democrats, the mainstream media, have done a million things to try to keep the American people from even having the choice to vote for Donald Trump if they want to. And that only emboldens his supporters. You know, you, you bring up a great point about just just the, the, the sheer day of the uh, that we're on in the calendar, right? Because we still have months until we, we cast our general election ballots. But whose time? Who, who's whose side is time on right now? Because you mentioned it, Donald Trump only getting stronger. Whether charges are thrown against him, indictments, whatever it is, he only continues to get more popular. Whereas Joe Biden doesn't. He's trending the opposite way. And so, with this with this valuable time that we we always deem it to be. Who do you think wants this thing to get to the, the election faster, Donald Trump or Joe Biden? I would say it's got to be Joe Biden, right? I would say either Joe Biden 
or the person who has been well hidden that they have to put into position when Joe Biden has to throw in the towel. Yeah, maybe. And the question is, is that the governor of California or the governor of Michigan? Because I don't if it's somebody else, it's a secret that's well kept. No, to me, it's one of those two. I mean, it's 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 Gavin Newsom or, or Gretchen Whitmer. I mean, it would have to be. And would it be better for Michigan? I think so. To have a Michigan governor in the White House than a California governor in the White House. No, I, you oh, can sure. say neither one because you're going for Trump or whatever. But my point is, if there was a choice, wouldn't we have an advantage? I would like to believe. Of course, I thought this for Romney, and no one, no one believed or thought that and turned out it wasn't true one way or another. He didn't count. But I certainly thought that at first. Well, you know, when we had Gerald Ford, we had a Michigander. He went to University of Michigan. He played football. I thought, well, this is good for Michigan. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. We got lots of time. Yeah, I, I would think that, that Joe Biden wants to get to the election as soon as possible. Because the longer he has to, you know, fumble around, you know, Donald Trump can fumble around and he gets better. You know, he he, he <laughs> stocks the arsenal. Joe Biden fumbles around and, and he you know, he's he's fumbling on the two-yard line. It's a problem for him. I got to so ask you a question. I just, mm, I, yeah. What, what is – here's my problem. Mm-hmm. You get past Donald Trump's personality, which is not always the best. You get past the personality and you go to the performance, and his performance with his team around him was far better than the performance of Biden and his team around him. And look what the Biden team is doing now. First of all, they put him in these pictures in the White House having meetings with a roaring fire in the fireplace. Like, what is he? Because mm-hmm. he's old, he's got bad circulation, and he's cold? He's cold. I mean, <laughs> this, that, that fire is roaring. It sends a bad signal. But number two, he's falling all the time, and they're they're deathly afraid of him falling. They're not care, caring about him. They're caring about what it looks like. But right. so they put him in thicker tennis shoes. Don't they understand that that will make him trip sooner than thinner-soled tennis shoes? What are they thinking? Who are they asking about these things? Stand by not for you. news. What's that? Not you. No, not me. Stand by. And they should. Stand by for news. And, of course, your afternoon with the one and only Chris Renwick coming your way. On your way to making each and every day count each day as a gift. Thank you to you, the best and brightest audience in all of radio, the team, the team, the team, Dave Rieger, Danielle Mason, Rich Luzinski. Now, you go on out and make it a great rest of the day. Continue to do so. See you tomorrow. Regards, Paul W. Smith.